Hello, friends. Welcome to the Rocky Peak Young Adults Podcast. We meet Sunday nights at 7.30 at the church at Rocky Peak. For more info about upcoming events, follow us on Instagram, at rpyoungadults. Enjoy the message. Good evening, RPYA family. Merry Christmas! It's an early Merry Christmas. Hey, can we thank our worship team again? You know what I like about this... um, what I like about this worship song, uh, O Come, Let Us Adore Him, be, that word adore can literally be translated hollowed, right? It's the word that's used when the Lord's Prayer, like during the Lord's Prayer, he says, hallowed be your name or hallowed be thy name. We can actually replace the word hallowed with adorn. And so you want to know, do you want to know what's in the most adorned space in your mind or in your life, right? If you don't know if it's Jesus, you know what you do know? You do know the, uh, what the most adorned place in your life is by what you are afraid of losing, what you are afraid of losing the most. That is in the most adorned space in your life. And instead of whatever that thing is, if it's not Jesus, today we just commit to put Jesus in the most adorned space in our lives, right? That's why we're saying, oh, come, let us adore him instead of adoring our other things. Does that make sense so far? Right, we want to put Jesus in the hallowed space of our lives, and that's what I pray when we sing these worship songs, because worship songs are not just songs. These are prayers written to music, and these kind of worship songs are literally theological like ways of teaching kids when you know reading wasn't popular, right? So they write these worship songs, and it teaches people how to adore Jesus. So I hope these songs mean something to you, maybe just like I just... I hope they mean as much to you as they do to me uh, tonight. But anyways, I'm going to preach only for 15 minutes. I only got 14 minutes left. So we're going to fly through this message. This is going to be a short message, and you're like, thank God, because I've been eyeballing that chocolate fountain back there. Anyways, uh, in case you're new, in case you're new, my name is Kelly. I'm the RPYA Young Adults Pastor. This is our last RPYA service of the year. Man, 2019 was awesome, wasn't it? Did you ha- How many of you had a great 2019? Yeah. How many of y'all are really looking forward to 2019 being over? All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey, uh, okay. So I, I think my son is here. My son, Deacon, I, I have, I'm, a, I'm a father of a child. I am officially a baby daddy. And, um, and the baby's name is Deacon. And I am perplexed this Christmas. It's his first, <laughs> it's his first Christmas. Um, it's his first Christmas. And I don't know if I should tell him that Santa is real, or I should tell him that Santa is pretend. How many of you think I should tell him Santa is real? How many of you think I should tell him Santa is pretend? Thank you. I'm just telling you, the last thing I want is for my 10-year-old boy to have an existential crisis regarding Santa not being real, and then in college compare Santa to Jesus. Then we got some problems. Okay, the last thing I want to do is start my relationship off with my kid with a lie. Mm, I know y'all hating me, but whatever, dude. You, you'll find out with your kids, all right? Anyways, Christmas. How many of you love giving gifts? Raise your hand if you love giving gifts. How many of you love receiving some gifts? You know what I'm saying? The, the hands weren't as high, but they were like, yes, I'm guilty. Like, 
I hope the neighbor doesn't realize I really like getting gifts. Some girlfriends are sitting next to her boyfriend. Yes, I love getting some gifts. Especially on my Amazon wish list, size six. Um, I have some gifts I want to give away, in fact. Hey, Brianna, can I get some gifts to give away? Can I have some gifts to give away? Who wants a free, who wants some free, free stuff, okay? I just want to. I got some free gifts. I'm going to give away some free gifts. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, is that Christmas is full of surprises. You know, Christmas is full of materialism. And so, uh, and also, you know, uh, commercialism. And how many of you love just get, getting together with family for Christmas, you know? Getting together. Okay, cool. Oh, cool. We got some candy J's. We got some candy J's and we got some, oh, some surprises. This looks like a diaper. Who wants a surprise? Right there. There we go. There we go. Over here to the right. Who wants a surprise? All right. Cool. Oh, I don't even know what this. Who do, oh, who wants a surprise? All right. There you go. Who, who wants a, oh, what, what is this? I have no idea what this is. I'm going deep. I'm going deep. I'm going deep. You know another reason why I don't want to tell my kid that Santa is real? Because I don't want somebody else to get credit for the gifts that I give my kid. I want to be the one who, who, get, who gets the credit. So, okay, with that in mind, how many of you are somewhat sick of the materialism that comes with Christmas? How many of you are just tired of, like, the stressing out about getting the right gift or having enough money or, you know, putting that kind of pressure on people? How many of you are just sick of, you know, the commercialism of Christmas? How many of you wish that they talked more about Christ in Christmas? How many of you are tired about, tired of hearing, uh, you know, happy holidays and you're like, I know what you mean. Like, you know, I, I think that today's message, just in the next 10 minutes we have, I think it's important that I decode Christmas that today I want to put Christ back in Christmas, and there's three ways that we can look at all the Christmas lights, that we can look at the gifts, we can look at the trees, we can look at the candy jays, and, and we can, um, canes, candy jays, all right, whatever, dad jokes all day. You can look at these things, and you can insert Christ into your Christmas this year, because that's ultimately what we are trying to do. I know Jesus wasn't born on, J on, on the 25th, right? I know that, but how many of you have celebrated your birthday on a different day? Priscilla did yesterday, right? She's awesome, right? Right? So, because today's actually her real birthday. But anyways, um, I know. Um, but we want to celebrate Jesus on, on Christmas. But sometimes the, the, the birth of Jesus Christ gets muddled with all the things that are just not important. So let's look at these three things and let's bring some meaning back into Christmas. Let's put Christ back into Christmas. And the first thing I want us to notice is the lights. You guys notice the lights, right? The lights during Christmas. I love the lights. I love going down Candy Cane Lane. But Jesus says in John 8, verse 12, he says, Jesus spoke again to the people and he said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows has life. Whoever follows Jesus has light. Everybody else, the world is in darkness, but if you follow Jesus, he is the light, right? But if you're walking in darkness, you're bound to stumble a few, four, five, six, 12 times, right? If you are walking in darkness, you're bound to get bruised and get bumps. For instance, I used to be an intern when I was like 18 years old at this church in this building right here, but I wasn't here, I was there, and uh, one of the games that I would play with the other interns is that we would black out 
this whole auditorium. Go ahead and let's see what it looks like. It's blacked out. Boom. Almost. <laughs> oh, never mind. Just turn the lights back on. So um, imagine this building completely blacked out. But what we would do is leave chairs in the in the in the in this in the middle space, and so it would be me, Brian Benitez, uh, and there's another guy named Sean, and we would start on that side of the auditorium, and the goal was to get to that side of the auditorium when it was pitch black and unscathed, right? So whoever gets to the other side alive wins. So that's what would happen, right? But if I'm running and walking in darkness, I'm bound to run into something. I'm bound to get hurt and I'm bound to live with a few regrets. And I'm sure my shins have some stories to tell, right? If you are walking without Jesus, you're bound to run into things. See, the lights at Christmas reminds us that we live in a dark world. And if Jesus is the only light, if you leave him out, you're bound to be bruised. You're bound to have regrets. You're bound to run into something in this life. And sometimes, some people might be here today and you, you might be in a dark place. See, Jesus is not only a big old light that lights your path. He's also a light that brings comfort in dark times. And I don't know. Um, if you are in dark times, because the holidays do tend to be some of the most depressing times, statistically, maybe it's time that you read Jesus' biography, the book of John, and get that warm light in your life. And maybe it would bring comfort to some of the dark places that you're in even right now. Or maybe you know somebody in a dark place, and Jesus is the light. And these Christmas lights that we see are meant to remind us that we live in a dark place, and Jesus is the light. And if you walk through life without Jesus, you're bound to run into things. Number two, the gifts. Number two, the gifts. Number two, the gifts. When we look at gifts every Christmas, and starting with children, if you make Christmas so much about gifts, about getting what you want, you're bound to create entitled children. And this generation has been considered the most entitled group of people who have ever walked the face of this earth. Congratulations. But we can break that mold. We can break that stigma by realizing that we don't deserve anything. Unfortunately, I found one kid who doesn't break that mold. Go ahead and check out the screen. Can you see? Why are you crying, bud? Don't feel bad for him. Let's do it. Bud. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's an awesome gift. That's an awesome gift. It wasn't what he expected. That is the epitome of entitlement. Epitome. Epitome. See, he, unfortunately, his birthday or Christmas was filled with disappointment. Completely. I mean, and that wasn't even a Jimmy Kimmel prank. That was his mom and dad genuinely trying to get him something he wanted, but he didn't want it because he was entitled. He thought he deserved something else, and he didn't get it. See, the reason why we give gifts is not because we deserve it, the reason why you get gifts is not because you deserve it. And the reason why you give gifts is not to get something back in return. 
The reason why we give gifts in Christmas is because we're emulating the greatest gift giver of all time. Jesus, God, right? And we know the verse and we recite it in our sleep and it's so hard to say this verse without your minds going numb. And it's John 3, 16 that reminds us that God gave us the greatest gift and it wasn't heaven. For God gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. See, God did not give us eternal life. God gave us himself. On Christmas, God gave God. And the greatest form of your honor to God is to emulate the greatest, the greatest gift giver by giving as well. Your giving comes from an essence, comes from, come from an overflow of what you've received, not to pay back the gift giver or to get something in return. The essence of Christmas is a divine overflow of what we have been given, but we don't give to pay back the gift giver. We don't give to receive gifts. You know, like sometimes I like to, you know, buy people in and out, you know, after service, especially if it's your first time, if you knew what's up. Uh, I usually hook you up with like a free Starbucks or whatever, but a lot of times people don't want to receive a gift from me because, you know, they feel guilty. They have a hard time receiving a gift without actually trying to pay for it. So one time I was buying this girl an in and out and she didn't have all the money for the, the, the meal that I bought her because, you know, she went ham, literally, because it's a burger. Um, it wasn't ham, actually. It was a hamburger. Hamburger, which is made out of beef, which doesn't make sense. Um, which I, you know, I should email them. Um, and she tried to give me like five bucks or, or like three bucks back. And I'm like, you know, you know what happens when you pay somebody for a gift? It stops being a gift. It becomes a discount. Right? And when we try to repay God, like, oh, you know, I'm going to try to pay you back by doing good things. Like, the gift, it nullifies the gift. It becomes a discount. And the second way that we can do good things for the wrong reasons is, 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 is in, an, in, in a way to get something in return, right? I'm going to give a gift to these people and expect either God to bless me or this other person to reciprocate the gift. I don't know if you've ever done that or if you're willing to admit that, but I've definitely done that. But the way we give gifts, and I've told you this story before, the way we should give gifts is like the farmer and not like the guard, right? Well, I told you a story a couple times this past year about the farmer and the guard. If you remember, that's okay. All right, the farmer went to the king and said, hey, king, I've, I've grown the best and biggest carrot that I've ever grown or ever will. Take this as a token of my gratitude for your kingdom that you're in because you're the best king in the world. And the king's like, wow, this is a massive carrot. You know what? You're so good at farming. I'm going to give you a piece of my land that's next to your land, and you have twice the land to farm all the awesome carrots you, your heart desires. And he's like, what? Yeah. And so the farmer goes off rejoicing with his carrot or without his carrot, but he's going to make some more. And the guard... The king's guard sees this go down. And the king's guard is like, if that's what you get for a carrot, what happens if I show up with something bigger? And so the next day, the king's guard shows up with a stallion, and the king's guard says to the king, hey, king, this is the biggest stallion that I've ever grown or ever will grow, or ever will grow but since you're such an awesome king, I want to show you a token of my appreciation. Here's a stallion. And he's kind of waiting to hear what the king has to say. And the king says, okay. You're dismissed. Put the horse over there. And all right, you're done. And then the guard is walking away sad, but the king could discern his heart. And the king says, Hey, guard, look over here. Come here. Why are you sad? 
because I gave something to the farmer and not to you? And he said, yeah. And the king said, you need to understand this one thing. The farmer was giving me the gift, but you were giving yourself the horse. This Christmas, it's really easy to give with the wrong intent, right? When we give gifts, it's out of an overflow of thankfulness, of gratitude. You should actually give gifts with the understanding that you are one of the most wealthiest people on earth, not just geographically, but because Jesus makes you wealthy, because Jesus was rich, became poor, so that you, poor people, can become rich. And everything else is just icing on the cake. We deserve nothing, therefore everything is a gift. And we have more than enough, not just geographically or economically, but in Christ we have everything. I love what Hebrews 13, 16 says, and he says this, and don't forget, because it's easy to forget, and do not forget to do good and to share with the others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. God is pleased. God is pleased. So why do we give gifts? Well, because it's an overflow of what we've been given, and we're so rich. And number two, the reason why we give gifts is because it is worship to God. God is pleased. Even our giving to others is recognized as worship to God. Even our giving to others is recognized as worship to God. God is the greatest example of a gift giver. So emulation is the greatest response that comes from a grateful heart. And so we give because we've been given so much. We deserve nothing and therefore everything is a gift. So we redefine lights. We redefine gifts. And now we want to redefine Christmas trees. Christmas trees. Where do Christmas trees come from? You probably know this. In the early Roman world, uh, they used to use uh, evergreens to... Uh, to worship the god of Saturn. You guys probably knew that, right? And so they would take these evergreens in the winter because these were the only trees that, like, really blossomed or stayed green in the cold weather, uh, win uh, cold weather, and they would bring them into their house, right? So they would bring them into their house, and it was a form of, you know, worship to th the Saturn god, right? And But eventually, Christianity, you know, took over the Roman world, and some of these traditions stuck, uh, which was pretty awesome, uh, because I like the way trees smell in my house, right? Especially if it's like a good, you know, Christmas tree. And, uh, and later on, in the 16th century, the great reformer, the, the, the story goes as such. We, we don't actually know if this is like 100% true, but it sounds awesome. Um, the great reformer, uh, Martin Luther, not the king, but, you know, the guy who helped us with the Protestant Christianity. He was actually walking through uh, the, the winter, you know, wonderland of his living situation. I guess there wasn't a bunch of buildings, so there was lots of trees. Uh, and in the midst of the snow, he was preparing a sermon, and he saw the stars twinkle amidst the evergreens. And that was the time that he decided that he was going to start putting candles, like, around in his evergreens in his house during Christmas time. And that's where we get, you know, the tradition where we decorate Christmas trees. Now, that's just the historical background on why Christmas trees and evergreens are in the house. But there are biblical trees that we find in the Bible that actually, reign, that actually have 
huge significance in our lives. And if we can start looking at the trees in, in, in during Christmas and start thinking biblically about that, maybe it will change the way we behave and it will change some of our motives and it will impact the people around us. So there are two major trees that you should know about in the Bible. The first tree is found in Genesis and it's the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And all of us have been affected by that particular tree. The story goes as such in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, it says this, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden to work and take care of it. Oh, wow, there was work before sin. I guess work should be good. All right, I digress. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat it, you will certainly D-I-E, die. You will certainly die. And sure enough, what did they do? They ate from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that they shouldn't have eaten from. And they started to die physically and spiritually. You were not meant to die. You were not meant to die. You were meant to live forever. The reason why death is so scary is because you were meant for something more. Nobody's mad that they can't fly and they don't have wings. No one's disappointed about that, you know, to an epistemic level. But people are, people are severely bothered and controlled by the idea of death. You know why? Because you were not, you're not meant to die. But we do it. It's because we are living in the wake of a first decision to eat from a tree that we shouldn't have eaten from. But there's a second tree that we look forward to. Revelation 22, 2. It's the last chapter in the Bible. And, the, and John is writing about what it looks like to be in the kingdom of heaven and Jesus sitting on the throne. He says this, Down in the middle of the great city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit. Pause, the reason why we have ornaments, they used to put fruit on trees anyways, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding fruit every single month. Man, you can get strawberries anytime. Man. You know, it's bad when you can't get strawberries at certain seasons, but then not this tree. No, no, no. Yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. The healing of your families. The healing of relationships. See, we live in between two trees. And we look forward to the day when we get to live and love and, and dine from the tree of life in the kingdom in which Jesus rules forever. Amen? So how can we put Christ back into Christmas? Let's start looking at the lights. Let's look at the gifts. Let's look at the trees differently. And as I conclude, I figured I'd throw this in for fun just in case somebody hasn't heard why we got candy canes the way they are. See, candy canes are in the shape of a shepherd's crook to remind us that Jesus leads us. The red represents the blood that was slain for your sins. And the white represents, well, you. As a result of Jesus' sacrifice, he has made you white as snow. And the peppermint taste reminds us of the hips, hyssop in the Bible that was used to purify. And sometimes I like to call them candy jays. I don't know which side you're looking at, actually. So, 
to remind me of Jesus. And my challenge to us is let's just put Christmas back. Let's just put Christ back in the center of Christmas. Can we do that? All right. Let me just go ahead and recap. Number one, I want you to know this. If you walk through life without the light of Jesus, you're bound to run into some things. Number two, we deserve nothing. Therefore, everything is a gift of God in Christ. And number three, we're living in between two trees. And we look forward to the day when we will eat from the tree of life in the kingdom of heaven where Jesus sits on the throne. Let's pray. Father, we give you this Christmas and may it be unlike any other Christmas. And may we truly take the time to receive the gift of God that overflows into eternal life and that wells up a sense of generosity unlike any other year that we've ever experienced because in you we have been given everything and therefore there is nothing that we need outside of you because you are our daily bread and it comes from you and nowhere else. And yes, Lord Jesus, we ask that you sit on the throne of our lives and that you would be in the most adorned space in everything we do every place we go, every thought that we think. We thank you for today, and we thank you for your son, Jesus, who sets us free. In Jesus' name we all said, amen, amen, amen.